Hello and welcome to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show. And today we have a very special guest. Our next guest is a physical therapist who completed her doctor of physiotherapy at the University of Melbourne in Australia. She is the creator of the MVMT Movement Collective, longtime basketball coaching, yoga instructor, avid traveler, foodie, and a fitness coach whose main goal is to help babes feel stronger and look good naked. Please help me welcome Dr. Britt Chase to Akeem's Dream Show. Welcome, Britt. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Enjoying the nice weather, finally. Definitely. Uh, in Edmonton, Alberta, it's definitely been trending upwards. It's getting a little bit warmer, no longer minus 30. Not afraid to go outside for more than five minutes now, so it's been good. Yes, getting the steps in outside now, finally. Absolutely. My step count uh, goal per day is 5,000. What's yours? I'm trying to do 10,000, but it's been really, it's actually gotten easier since we got the puppy because he needs to go out several times. But before it was like 3,000, 4,000, if that, because it was so cold. Oh yeah, it's brutal. You walk outside, get halfway around the block and you have to call an Uber back to your house. It's so okay. Pretty much. Can't even do the walk back. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's nuts, but it's been getting warmer out and it's nice you got that puppy. You guys can go for walks and I'm sure that... uh the, your your dog uh, can walk in any temperature, right? He can, yeah. He has like the um, fur between his paws. They're kind of like webbed because I think he has a bit of husky in him. So he's like made for the snow. So um, he does just fine. <laughs> you picked the dog for the right climate. I don't think that dog would do too well in Ecuador or something like that. I know. Now already. we're going to have to figure out what to do in the summer to keep him cool. But I've heard kitty pools are really good and then just putting water in there. So oh, I'm okay. sure he'll be fine. <laughs> we all know that's an excuse for you to maybe sneak in there too. It's all good. <laughs> uh, that too. That too. <laughs> oh yeah. Kitty pools are the shit. I mean, you think about back to the nineties, I was jumping in one all the time, but Britt, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and uh, taking some time for us to pick your brain today about a variety of subjects. And I just think when I was thinking about guests to have on this show, you're one of the first people that came to mind. And over the years, I've looked to you for a lot of advice when it comes to health, wellness, fitness. You just cover all this, all the bases and your content is amazing. And I even recall back to a few times in 2017, 2018, you were posting these stories and I'd have questions about intermittent fasting or how much sleep should I get and all these things. And, and you just answered them and the amount of detail you put into your answers just blew me away. And I was just like, holy smokes, this is amazing. And 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 just to put a the cap on it, you said, uh, "Is there anything else I can help you with?" And I was just like, "Holy smokes! Can I just? Send, <laughs> can I, just send, I hope there's not an invoice coming here." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're an amazing help, and I think that's why you've been able to have uh, some level of success with what you're doing. Because I feel like you actually do care about the people you're wor- you're you're talking to, and the people you're working with, and the people who reach out to you about their overall wellness and their fitness and. Uh, anything to do with uh, this industry and however you can help them. I feel like you try your best and that, uh, that really shows. And it's apparent you like to help people. I was just curious, you know, how did you get your start in physiotherapy? What really, what really drew you to this field and this uh, line of study and work? Um, I, <laughs> I wish it was deeper than this, but I've just loved being an athlete. I've been an athlete my whole life and I just wanted to stay in sports and because I'm not the tallest. I wasn't the fastest. I was like more of a jack of all trades, kind of a master of basketball, but not good enough to bring myself to elite levels. 
So I kind of looked outside the box and was like, well, what's going to let me stay in sport while using my strengths? So that's kind of what drew me to it. And then just going to physio all the time as an athlete with injuries and everything, it just, I just felt like that was the best option for me. And I, yeah, it was the best way to just kind of merge all of my favorite things into one. Yeah. The world of athletics. I remember watching you playing basketball and you were a fierce competitor and I guess that transformed and evolved in you into you becoming a coach too, as well. eh? Yeah. Well that, and I'm just like the most competitive person, regardless of if it's like a game of Catan or like, I just <laughs> want to be the best at everything. So that included school. So just getting the best, being the best I could be and getting as far as I possibly could um, was just getting as much school as I could in my eyes. So <laughs> that kind of, it's another reason why I went into physio too. I love school. So, so there's a lot of avenues you could have went down. Do you remember any, uh, coaches, basketball coaches you might've had or physiotherapists you might've had when you got injured or people in school, perhaps professors or anybody in that field or industry or in fitness, even who you came across that were, inspirational to the point of like saying to yourself, man, I gotta, I want to do what they're doing and I want to have the same impact on somebody else that they had on me. Honestly, not really. I didn't really have any, I can't really think of any coach that really stood out. Um, I guess with physio, I had a physio um, at Edmonton actually, and he it was just kind of nice that he made friends with us as patients. And then it was just that therapeutic relationship that I really liked. And just, I wanted to do med school, but I didn't want to have to do the MCAT and have to do the math and the physics and the stuff that I hated. So to continue to do school at a high level and be involved in sports, physiotherapy was like the best option for me. And it just kind of drew everything together that I really loved. But no, there was no specific person that I can think of. (laughs) Hey, that's cool. I mean, sometimes it's an accumulation of all the people you've met and come across and the circumstances you've had. I like to think of that quote by John Lennon from the Beatles, where he says, uh, your life can be understood backwards, but it has to be lived forwards. I was just curious with when it came to your school, was there anything you learned about yourself in your undergraduate, maybe in your postgraduate studies? I know in your undergraduate, you took a psychology degree and in your postgraduate studies, you were doing a doctorate in physiotherapy. Was there anything you learned during that process about maybe where your competitive drive comes from, maybe with some kind of personality assessment or things along, anything along those lines that was uh, illuminating to you? Like you're Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> the whole physio degree was a personality assessment <laughs> because I was at a severe massive disadvantage going in to the degree because like you said my undergrad was in like neuropsych and I had taken maybe one anatomy course online that I basically taught to myself I never really studied like school always was kind of easy for me and I was able to just kind of look at something the night before and be able to be fine Uh, but going into the physio degree they assume that everybody's kind of the same level coming into it, which is like a kinesiologist or 
somebody that's taken tons of anatomy, tons of biomechanics, tons of physiology, like all of that stuff. And I didn't have any of that. So the first semester of school for most people that was in the class was like a review for them and they just breezed by. Whereas I had to work so hard to just be on the same level as everybody. And you go from, because it's really hard to get into these programs. So you go from being used to being the best in your program. And I went to like maybe middle of the ground to low, just as compared to the experiences that everybody else had and already knew. So that whole first semester was the only reason I passed and got through it and did relatively well in the end was because I'm so stubborn. And it's that competitive drive where I'm like, hey, I'm not failing this. Like this, failure is not an option. So what's going to get me through this? And it was just being stubborn and <laughs> putting in the hard work. So we could tie so many things back to your your school days and your 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 athletic background with playing sports and basketball and that never say die attitude that you learn so often in sports. And that's why I'm so passionate about sports because you do learn that attitude, you do learn that ability to just never say die and never back down. And instead of uh, instead of backing down when you meet these odds where it's like you're the only person in this in this class who doesn't have this specific background when it comes to the body and like your kinesiology uh, and uh, biology uh, school uh, classmates, they have an upper hand on you, but that doesn't mean anything because you're just going to hunker down just like you're down on the fourth quarter. It's, it's go time. It's game time. Yeah. Well, and also like I moved across the planet. Like I wasn't about to move across the planet to fail. So there really nice. was no option. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. You can, f you have two choices. You fly back home or you just figure it out. And, uh, there's no, you're probably like, oh, there's no way I'm going to cut this holiday short. <laughs> yeah. Everyone always says like, oh, it's so lucky you lived in Australia. But like, I obviously I was, and I am in love with that city, but it's not a holiday when you move somewhere. <laughs> like you're not there just sightseeing. You're there and you need to figure out like, where's the grocery store? Where do I, where, where do I go if I need to go to the doctor? Like, yeah, it's a lot of work. So it definitely wasn't a holiday, but. When I listen to you talk, Britt, it's just, it's amazing. I hear so many qualities and intangibles that would be useful for not just fitness, but really anything when it comes to the stick to itiveness it takes to, uh, to get over the hard times when you're inevitably going to face that, especially when it comes to fitness and sticking on a program and, and committing to your goals and what you set out to do. I mean, this ability to have grit, to have stubbornness, it's an amazing quality, but not everyone has it. Sometimes it has to be acquired and I was just curious, like, how do you, how do you help pass on those qualities to uh, the, the people you, who reach out to you, the people you, you, you coach and the people you lead? Uh, because I know it's, it's not, it's, it's not always a given. It's really hard to, I feel like I could motivate people to want to be better. And I think that's a really important part of being a coach and being a physio is being on the same team as the person that you're coaching or helping but if there isn't that drive there in them to begin with it's really hard to give that to somebody so when I bring people on to coach like I go through a whole process it's basically like an application process they're applying to work with me and it's like if I don't see that drive and I don't see that they want to succeed 
then it's not really going to be a great coach relationship with them because I need that fire to be there. So in order for somebody to be successful, they need to want to be successful. And it's really hard to instill that in somebody that's not ready to do that. Maybe in the future when they feel like they're ready to put the hard work in. But I've had an experience before where I did bring somebody on and it just was not, they just weren't ready. They didn't want to put the work in and it was a really frustrating experience. And I learned a lot from that. So that's almost why I made the application process even harder. (laughs) I can respect what you're saying. I mean, everyone's heard uh, that you can't steer a parked car and you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I think that it's so important for someone to have those, that fire in them already, that fire in their belly. I mean, like we just watched Tom Brady win another Super Bowl, his seventh Super Bowl. And I know that everyone's a super huge football fan like me, but I mean, I feel like it'd be sacrilegious to talk about grit and to talk about this inner fire that someone needs to have and not mention the goat's name. Brady. Because, <laughs> yeah. Right. Here's a guy who was drafted 199th overall, didn't throw the best, didn't jump the highest, wasn't the most athletic, wasn't even a super uh, great thrower, but he had everything that you want when it comes to intangibles that nobody has uh, then or since. And that's the uh, fire in the belly. That's the intangibles. That's the want it. And the ability to just grind through problems and uh, have fortitude to see the day through and never give up. Could be down 27 3 in the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, these are incredibly invaluable uh, keys and, uh, you know, ingredients uh, when it comes to someone becoming successful these days. I mean, it's incredibly tough. So, uh, having the vet for that, man, I mean, I don't uh, envy you at all for having to to gauge how someone is going to be able to uh, have those qualities or not. It, it comes with its challenges, but it's the only way that like a coach or even a therapist client relationship succeeds. They need to be able to trust me and I need to be able to, I need like, it's give and take. So I'm going to give what I can, but if they aren't giving anything back, then it's going to fail. Hey, that makes sense. It's a give and take. It's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I can totally understand how that makes sense. And uh, when it comes to your business, uh, I guess this is a perfect segue because we're talking about uh, MVMT now, your business. And uh, I was just curious, like, what was the genesis of that company and, and your uh, starting your own business uh, within uh, fitness and physiotherapy? And how'd that come about? I went through like the worst breakup of all time. <laughs> um, and like all good things kind of start when. I wasn't, I didn't have the semester that it started. I didn't have a whole lot going on in that semester. Um, So that's kind of why it was a good time to start it. And also I had just gotten into better shape myself. And I was like, okay, I have all of these tools that I know in my brain and how much better I feel. And it would be almost against my beliefs to not share that with people. So that's kind of how it all started up. So basically from feeling like nothing, getting in shape myself, finally passing that on to other people and having the time to do it. And yeah, it's just kind of all the stars aligned, I guess, when it started. It's funny you mentioned that I actually had a similar experience when I was 22, 23. I had my heart broken and I was a little bit overweight and as the Phoenix arise from the ashes, you go back at it and you 
uh, I was on a mission to lose the weight and I think I was doing it originally to, to try to win her back. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, that didn't work losing the weight didn't get her back. But I think the whole point was I, I did lose the weight and I was motivated and I, I had a fire under my belly and a, uh, you know, rocket pack on my back and a just complete jet fuel to rocket me to lose that, to lose that weight. And that was the catalyst. I like to think that, uh, I have to thank her for that, but, uh, uh, it's very interesting how you started MVMT and uh, what is uh, what is the idea behind it? Like, what are who are you trying to serve and and what is the uh, what is the goal of the of the company and, and of uh, what you're trying to do there? It's primarily weight loss for women. Um, it's just my favorite area to work in. It's really it's the easiest for me to give advice and to coach in an area that I've already been in and that I understand completely. Um, and I have like when people, if people were to come to me and want to put on weight, put on muscle and everything, I have really good connects to refer them on to. But yeah, that's just kind of the weight loss for women was really important because it's so convoluted and confusing. All of the things that are out there that are completely wrong and make it so much harder than it actually needs to be. And I fought with that for so long. So it was like, okay. Yes, it is a very difficult thing to do when you're actually doing it. Like, it's hard to say no to the thing that you really want, but it's not a difficult, like, what am I trying to say here? It's not a difficult process in terms of the science and the theory of it. It's actually really easy. Whereas for everybody, they think it's like, okay, I need to like only do cardio um, I need to be on like X, Y, and Z supplements. And there's just too much information out there that's false. When in reality, it's not that hard of a theory to do. It's just difficult to put it into practice. Ah, so it's like most things in life, simple in theory, but difficult in application. Like, yes. So why would you say it's so confusing? Why is the industry so confusing? I mean, at a glance, I feel like it's just a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of information, yes. But what's with all the smoke and mirrors? Why is it so confusing as a whole to to digest all the information out there? Because it's full of fads. And it's a industry that makes a lot of money off of selling bullshit. In short. So in the reality of it is the only way that you're going to lose weight is if you're in a calorie deficit. And that doesn't, that doesn't matter if you're in keto, creating a deficit, if you're doing like something ridiculous, like the carnivore diet, but in a deficit. So all these people claim that the only reason they're losing weight is because of this like special thing that they're doing. But in reality, it's just by proxy causing a deficit and that's why it's working. Okay, so if that core principle is to get into that calorie deficit, that makes sense. And as soon as I think about calorie deficit, I think about nutrition. And with your background being in uh, physiotherapy and, and the body and how the body works and how it moves and how it operates, I would imagine you'd also maybe be a little bit interested in nutrition and how that affects a calorie deficit to uh, help people get to their goals. So uh, how much of your interests or research or um, – just general uh, approach has to do with nutrition and how you approach nutrition. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's working with 
them to figure out what's going to be the most sustainable and the best option for them. So I don't have like, I'm not going to come at somebody and be like, this is the only way that you have to do this. And this is the only way it's going to work because they're, it's guaranteed they're going to fail. So it's that working relationship between the two of you. So if you come to me and say, I love having, I don't know, what do people love? Cheese. I love having like, sure, yeah, (laughs) cheeseburger. I love having a cheeseburger at least two times a week. Then it's like, okay, if that's what you love and that's what you can feel as a non-negotiable or that's the thing that you feel is going to fail you when it comes down to it is that craving for that, that you feel like you can't have. Let's work that into your schedule somewhere. So you can have that once a week. If it's something you want to have every single day, then we can work with that as well. So it's like asking the questions that I know is going to make them succeed and then tailoring it from there. And that's why all of the programs are individual. You know, I think you have a unique perspective with your background with uh, that psychology degree. When when I think about psychology, I think about human nature. I think about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all these other things that make people uh, human nature, essentially. And when you think about human nature, that's probably really helpful to how you approach and how you help people navigate making these decisions and sometimes making these trade-offs or and how they go about making these tough choices to help their nutrition and help their, uh, along their fitness journey. I find it gets really frustrating when people say, Oh, like you're just obese, just stop eating. And it's like, okay, if they could do that, then they would like, it's not just, it's like I said before, it's, it's as simple as creating a calorie deficit, but it's not easy to put that into practice because there's so many other things that are affecting it. So that's why it's also important for somebody to come and kind of through that application process, I can determine, are you actually ready to do this right now? Because if you're not, then that's totally fine, but I don't want to be taking your money or stressing you out and putting you in a situation that you're gonna fail because that's not good for me. That's not good for you. You come out of another program feeling like you failed and you have to start all over again, feeling defeated. So it's a very delicate balance. (laughs) I would have to hundred percent agree with you. I mean, getting those little wins are everything. The momentum that carries over time from those little wins, compiling, uh, it it, it can do a lot for the spirit, do a lot for people uh, getting momentum because I don't care how strong you are. If you're not getting these little wins from time to time, it can deter you off your goal, deter you off your mission because you just don't see any victories anywhere. So when I, I do like weekly check-ins with everybody and I'm like, yes, this is all great. You lost X amount of pounds or you stayed the same weight, which is also like really impressive. It didn't go up. But an important question on there is what are your non-scale wins this week? Hmm. So did you feel better? Did you go to the gym when you didn't want to? Did you track food when you didn't want to? Did you, for some people it'll be, I said no to something that I really wanted to stay with my goals or when for someone else it'll be, I said yes to eating something like a cookie without feeling guilty about it. So it's taking the wins everywhere you can get them, not just numbers. The wins aren't always on the scale. I love that. 
Sometimes it could even be, you know, I was in the McDonald's parking lot and I just drove away. Yeah. <laughs> well, and those are the things that get you through. Like, I hate, it's not a diet. I refuse to call it a diet. That Those are the things that get you through a lifestyle change. Is it's like your, your numbers aren't going to change every single week, especially for women, because there's so many things that go into that. Like, is it time of the month? Is it like, did you eat your belly didn't agree with like so it has to be more than just that i agree it's got to be multifaceted and cover every aspect of a person's life let's say somebody comes to you and they say hey listen i'm thinking about doing xyz diet or maybe xyz way of eating could be keto could be atkins who knows uh is your kind of uh, uh, thoughts on this that as long as it hits your caloric di- uh, deficit and is sustainable that it's uh it's a it's a green light like what are your what's your thought process on that as long as it gets you in that and you're able to sustain that forever. So when you're done working with me, I want like at the end of your program, I want you to not need me anymore. So I don't want to keep like, I want you to stay with me if you need me, but I don't want to keep people unnecessarily. Like I want to give you the tools to succeed outside of this. So it's not putting you on like lettuce and chicken and rice. It's, what is going to work for you forever? And for most people that's taking um, an approach uh, where it's like an if it fits your macros approach. That's my favorite one and what I use for pretty much everybody. So it's like you can have whatever you want in there as long as you're hopefully hitting your protein target. It doesn't have to be every single week, every single day consistently, as long as you're in the deficit, it'll be fine. But it's fitting the things in that you're craving so you don't fail and learning how to do that forever. What are your thoughts on sleep and hydration? This- sleep is like the biggest thing with just weight loss and health and mood to begin with. Like it's so underrated. And I was one of those people that was like, I don't need sleep. I'd pull like all nighters all through school. But once you get the taste of having good sleep consistently, like I'm miserable without it. So it's so important. And it also, when you're not sleeping, it's changing your hunger cues. So there was like a study, I can't remember the exact numbers on it, but it was people that got less sleep, ate like, I can't remember, it was like 20 or 40% more than the people that were sleeping consistently enough because it changes your hunger hormones and it turns up the ones that are like, we want to eat, we're hungry. And it turns down the ones that leave you feeling satiated. So it's actually like, it's huge. Well, I'm uh, definitely going to get my eight hours tonight. That's for sure. And a hundred percent in the future. I mean, it's, it's, it's harder these days to get it, but I think that uh, like you're saying, it's so important. Is there any technology out there that kind of excites you? I know that there's a lot of uh, wearable apps and not wearable apps, but wearable tech and uh, things of that nature. I know that back in the day, old school, you had to write it down, pen and paper, how many calories you did or, or, you know, what you did in that day. Maybe some people even had a a clicker, but uh, you know, is there any technology out there or any wearable tech that you you're kind of fired up about and that you've implemented and you found useful? Yeah, my fitness pal is what I use um, for both myself and for the people that I coach. Um, but 
the downfall with my fitness pal is the um, calculator in it isn't accurate. So the way to do it, if that's the app that you're going to use is to go online and you can type in like TDEE calculator and then put in all those metrics and manually put that in as your calorie count rather than use the calculator in my fitness pal because it's not accurate. So it's going to have you eating way less than you actually are supposed to be having. So it's almost setting you up to fail right away because you're like, oh, I can have like a salad today and that's it. Um, so that's my only thing with that. I haven't used it yet, um, but there's an app called Carbon Diet Coach, um, which is also really good. And that one's super accurate, but you have to pay like a subscription for that one. Um, but it's like a coach in an app. So it's not just for tracking. It's like an actual coach in the app. So if you didn't want to pay oh. for a one-on-one, -on -one, like in-person coach, oh. then that's a good option also. Okay. Yeah. There's some tech out here that I'm pretty excited about. Um, some of the, that you mentioned, but also uh, that some of these calorie counters at some of these fitness studios, they uh, say you burnt like 1200 calories in a workout. And part of me is jumping for joy. Cause it's like, Oh shit, I get to eat double the food. But then part of me is thinking, oh, is that actually accurate? 1200 calories? It makes me a little bit suspicious. I wonder, uh, you know, if you've, if you've come across that or if you know anything about the legitimacy of these calorie counters. Yeah, they're, they're, there's like data to show that they aren't, they aren't super accurate. There's like actually a huge um, error level in them, but it's better than nothing. So right. I still like tell people, like if you have an right. Apple Watch, or um, I have an aura ring, which I've really been loving for data because um, that tracks my sleep and like steps and workouts and everything. So I really love that. Um, but yeah, it's not, they're not super accurate, but it's better than coming out with nothing. Like the, I love data because numbers don't really lie. So yeah, it's just a good way to get extra data, which I think is important when you're trying to lose weight or get in shape, whether that's data on, I lifted this heavier this week. So tracking your workouts, um, I ate this much or I burned this much. So I think numbers are important. Oh, 100%. I'm a big, I'm a big data guy. I love tracking. I love keeping track of where I am. doesn't even matter what it is. could be my finances, could be my weight, could be the calories. I just love to know what the numbers are. Because from those numbers, you can pull patterns and you can make decisions that are accurate based on real information. So I'm a big data guy, big, big data guy. I love the quote by Peter F. Drucker when he says, what, get, what gets measured gets managed. So, that, I mean, that says it all right there. Uh, big management consultant from back in the 1980s. But speaking of what gets measured gets managed, the only thing I think we can't measure with you, Britt, is uh, your traveling. I mean, I feel like you've been around the world multiple times and you've... Uh, been to one place specifically, we've already mentioned Australia, and I was curious about your time there because it looked like you had a blast from your social media posts and everything that was going on. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your time in the land down under. I love being in a big city. That's like, I would love to live in New York. I would love, like, I just love that feeling of a big city. Um, so that's why Melbourne worked out really well for me because it's basically like, like I always tell people, Melbourne is the New York of Australia and Sydney is like the California. So Sydney, Perth. So I, yeah, I just 
fared really well in Melbourne. There's always something to do. It's always busy. It's kind of like the city that never sleeps in Australia. Um, yeah, I loved it. I didn't want to leave. But <laughs> I've noticed over the years that you've become a bit of a foodie of sorts. And uh, I'm not sure if that's a title that you own or own up to, but uh, I've noticed that about you. I think I even mentioned it in the intro here. But uh, how much of that foodie game was uh, prevalent or maybe started when you were over in Australia? And how was the food scene over there in Australia when you were down there? Unreal. That's kind of like, I wouldn't say it all started there, but like up Sherwood Park, Edmonton. Like, And at, when we were growing up, there wasn't a big foodie scene here. It's only just kind of exploded, I feel, over the last few years where there's more artisan people coming out and more like mom and pop shops. Um, but Melbourne is just full of them. And usually a restaurant down there won't survive more than a few years just because it's such a high turnover rate of new restaurants. They, people want new, exciting things there. It's such a huge city. There's so many chefs. Like, so it's very competitive down there, which is nice for us because oh, yeah. we get to experience all of it. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, it like the most amazing food and they they don't really franchise things down there um so it's all kind of solo standing restaurants and they all do things completely differently well that's nice i think that one of the advantages to that might be that the when you don't franchise you can keep that quality control a little bit closer and a little bit better so that's really cool uh, when it comes to food for you, what is uh, what is the meal for you? Is it breakfast, lunch, dinner? What is it? Brunch. Uh, is it really? what, what meal Brunch? So you kind of like a waffles girl, or you more of like an eggs Benny kind of? Or what do you? What's your kind of forte when it comes to brunch? Yeah, it's kind of just what draws me the most when I go to that restaurant, which was nice down there because it's not like like I love Cora's, but it's not like going to Cora's or Denny's. Like it's this super fancy stuff that you've never heard of before, or even just things that you have heard of put together in a way that you've never heard of before. And it's just like the most aesthetic food. So you have to take a picture of every meal because it just looks <laughs> so good. It's amazing how food has become like artwork these days. Like it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm it's obsessed edible, with the food but... network. Like, like I've loved yeah, the Food Network edible, my whole but... life. So yeah, it really fed well into that. My boyfriend's cool super into food. He's like a huge foodie too. Um, and he's like amazing at cooking. And we both really love to travel. So there was like a time when we we're like, should we just travel and just like eat around the world? But obviously yes. that's <laughs> well, that all got screwed oh, up right. this yeah. year, but Okay, so been Australia. I know you've been to New York. I've seen pictures on your on the IG of you being in New York, all up and down the East Coast. So you've been up and down the East Coast. You've been to Australia. Maybe you've been to Europe. I don't know. But where is there? Where's next on your hit list for the place you want to travel next? Um, I've done some of Europe. I've done uh, Central America. I did a bit of Asia. Um, where do I want to go next? Honestly, I would love to go back to Australia because it took up so much of my time being in school that I was going to save traveling until I was working. And then the world um, imploded. So I didn't really get to travel down there. And there's so many places that I would have loved to have gone to. So I'd probably say go back to Australia. 
or Europe. I also love Europe. I really want to go to Paris, actually. Okay, Britt, it's that time in the episode of Akeem's Dream Show where every guest must play the word association game. I have a list of 10 carefully curated words that you must give a response to, uh, either a word or phrase to each one of these words. First thing that comes to your mind, let's go. Is there a loser in this? Because it's, I have to prepare myself because I have to oh, win. Oh, there's that competitor. All right. <laughs> All right. And the first word is Lululemon. Job. Word number two, animal. Dog. Holy smokes, you're on rapid fire right now, just cooking with gas with these one-word responses. You can elaborate more if you want. <laughs> uh, three, book. Harry Potter. Uh, okay, I said for. I said a job for the 11 because I worked for two years. Good clothes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's just like I've tried so many like Gymshark, like all of these other things. I always go back to Lululemon, so. Oh, yeah. I sing the praises of Lululemon all the time. I mean, they got really comfortable stuff. I used to be kind of anti-Lululemon because I thought it was for chicks only. And then one day I put them on and I said, holy smokes, I got to keep a pair of these. They're extremely comfortable. So no props to Lulu for that. Okay. So, so far we've got dog, Lululemon. And I imagine the dog is referencing the dog that we talked about earlier. Which Harry Potter are we talking about? That's tough. I would probably say the fourth one. Is that the one? No, that's the third one. Oh, shit. Isn't the fourth one with the guy who's going to be playing in the next Batman? It's the only reason I might know this guy. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Uh, uh, now that makes sense. The next Batman. Of course, I would recognize him. I'm not sure how I feel about him. I'm going to reserve my opinion until I see the next Batman movie. But there it is. Speaking of movies, word number four is Netflix. Bitch. Uh, Netflix. <laughs> Enough said. Number five, accessory. Ring. Yeah. Okay. I'm obsessed with my aura ring right now. Your, oh, yeah. The tech. Yeah. It's like a fitness track. Yeah. It looks I like love the Lord it. of the Rings. Looks like the <laughs> Frodo bag. And for number six, our word is hockey. McDavid. So, yeah. Super fast. That'd be cool to get a chance to uh, rehab him, eh? I just got a job in Edmonton, too. Sure. So. McDavid, if uh, you're listening to this, McDavid, uh, yeah. love yes. physiotherapist. Yes, let me study you. <laughs> and for word number seven, we have macros. Macros. Get your macros. Protein. Uh, protein. Muscle yeah. milk. <laughs> it's important. Okay, protein. Do you have any favorite sources, favorite kinds of protein? Uh, um, top three. Protein pancakes. Kodiak cakes. Kodiak cakes, game changer. Um, chicken. Um, eggs, probably. Eggs is a good one. I have eggs almost every day. Sunny side up, scrambled, whatever you want. Hard boiled. Hard boiled, yeah. Word number eight Zodiac. Aries. Competitive, uh, short. Uh, Aries, the fire sign. Totally competitive. I'm 100% with you on that. Moving right along to word number nine, movie. Molly's Game. Great movie. Oh yeah. man, like such a good story. Agreed. No, yeah. That's I didn't I didn't I didn't see that coming. And our final word for the word association game would be change. Embrace uh, it. Amen to that. Uh, it's the only thing we can do is embrace change. The only the only consistent thing in life is change. So. Uh, 
I definitely can understand how you would uh, have that mindset and it's probably served you well. Well, don't get me wrong. Like I hate change and I will fight change every step of the way. So that's what I usually tell myself. Yeah. It's just to embrace it. Embrace it. And that wraps up our word association game. Thank you very much, Britt, for joining in on that. That was a lot of fun. I think you pretty much passed with flying colors. I would say that the Harry Potter book was a bit of a disappointment, not knowing which book it was right away, but we'll let that one pass. <laughs> uh, I guess just uh, before we part ways here, is there any final thoughts or uh, requests of the audience? So I just started working at Primal, or Primal, that's where I was in Australia, Aspire Physio. Okay. Um, so that's on Ellerslie kind of out in that area. So if anybody okay. needs assistance, I'm out there. <laughs> okay. Please do hit her up for all your physio needs down there. And I know that, uh, Brit's Instagram is popping. So we'll put, uh, her link to, uh, Brit's link to her Instagram in the show notes. So you can find that there. And then Facebook is just Brit Chase on there. And then I have a free, um, Facebook community through the link in my Instagram that I kind of, there's a lot of support in there from other women and just kind of post interesting things and helpful things for free all in there. So. Oh, I love those Facebook groups are good for uh, connecting and uh, sharing ideas and just supporting each other. So great idea. And ladies, if you're out there, uh, definitely go uh, check that out and hit up Britt for any uh, questions you may have for her and Britt, congratulations on all your success and everything you've been able to accomplish. And I really appreciate your time here today and look forward to maybe doing this again sometime in the future. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Peace.